0: Aloha, Gangi! Nice to see you on the beach tonight. The reason for this surprise, back-to-back, weekly episode release is because I'm finally launching the Ghost Lore of Hawai'i Patreon. And to celebrate, I wanted to release this free sample style, available to patrons. For those who are not familiar with Patreon, it's a platform that helps creators earn a monthly income By providing rewards and perks to their subscribers. So basically, contributing to the ghost lore of Hawai'i Patreon literally keeps the show alive. And food in my belly. For the price of one cup of coffee per month, members get additional full-length and mini-episodes that are always ad-free. The Patreon-exclusive episodes are just like the free show but we'll also cover topics and stories that may be a little more intense or adult-themed. Naughty. Not like that. To sign up, go to patreon.com ghostloreofhawaii or click the link in the show notes. I'll also include more information in the outro at the end of the episode. So I hope you enjoy this sample There will be more Patreon-exclusive episodes dropping shortly, so stay tuned. In tonight's episode, I dive into the true crime genre to discuss the bizarre case of the Duval sisters, a pair of twins well-known in the yoga community who made headlines back in 2016, shortly after relocating to Maui. However, this fresh start turns into a tragic end while on the famous Road to Hana, At the end of the episode, I'll touch on a listener-submitted incident experienced on the road to Hana and how it may connect to the story of the Twin Power Yoga Sisters. Alexandria and Anastasia Duval, formerly known as Allison and Anne Dow, I'll get to the name change later, were a set of twins originally from upstate New York. After their mother passed away when they were five, the two formed a fierce bond on top of the already strong relationship they shared as twins. The sisters would move down to Palm Beach, Florida, where they operated a successful yoga studio, Twin Power Yoga. They did everything together. The only time they'd be seen apart was when the sisters were teaching separate yoga classes. Clients praised their studio, with many stating the classes were the best they'd ever taken. They were local celebrities in Palm Beach, known for their flashy and extravagant lifestyles, all the way down to their matching Porsche Boxsters. Word traveled about the hard-partying entrepreneurs catching the attention of Hollywood. Well, reality TV. Producers approached them about a show featuring the twins that would highlight their studio and lavish lifestyle. This would be the start ...of their downfall. The Dadao twins... ...had outgrown one of their yoga studios... ...and were in search of a new location... ...in the same neighborhood. Instead... ...producers of the reality TV show persuaded the sisters to choose a spot on the most expensive street in West Palm Beach. The twins were convinced the location would be a great look for the show and budgeted the TV money to help balance the cost. Then, when the TV project fell through, the sisters were stuck with a lease well above what they could afford. Allison And Anne then unexpectedly closed all their studios and left town, leaving customers, employees, vendors, and debts. Customers had memberships that were now worthless, and employees and vendors claimed they hadn't been paid. Volatile Relationship the sisters' bond had often been an issue in their love lives, choosing each other over their relationships. As much as they loved each other, at times, they couldn't stand each other, mixed with alcohol that often resulted in physical altercations. At least they're evenly matched. Sorry. An ex-boyfriend of one of the sisters talked of fights that would explode seemingly out of nowhere, often in public places. During their time in Florida, the boyfriend recalled one instance where he got a call from Ann screaming for him to get over to their place, claiming she was going to kill Allison. He heard the thud, thud, thud of the phone hitting... Something, or someone, (laughs) along with screams and the sound of a struggle. When he arrived to the apartment, it looked as if a bomb had gone off in the unit. Here is a quote of his account of the destruction. There was broken glass everywhere, from the wine bottles and shattered glasses. There was blood everywhere, and the bedroom door was falling off the hinges. Both of them were sitting on the couch when I walked in, and they were like, Hey, how are you doing? Allison had a bruise on her face. I asked them if they were okay, and they were like, We're good. We're fine. Just watching a movie. 51st Dates. Meanwhile, all around them, it's total destruction they seemed to not know they wanted to kill each other just minutes earlier the boyfriend also experienced on at least two occasions the sisters began fist fighting inside a moving vehicle once when Anne was behind the wheel both of those experiences he described as very intense and not in like a sexy kind of way almost resulting in crashes. A spiritual advisor who had worked with the sisters while in Palm Beach said that they both understood love was not in their future due to their codependency. Starting anew. The twins fled to Park City, Utah to distance themselves from the bad press they received in Florida, with one local publication even labeling them the terrible twins of yoga. Park City, an upscale mountain town surrounded by world class skiing, is also home to the Sundance Film Festival and is a popular vacation location with many billionaires and celebrities owning homes in town. The sisters opened another yoga studio in 2014 and even planned to write a book together. At around the same time, they both separately filed for bankruptcy with a combined debt of $200,000, including two Porsche Boxsters. Unfortunately, their hard partying and drinking ways caught up to them while in Utah. In the two years they lived in Park City, the twins racked up arrests linked to five separate alcohol-related incidents. Their drinking only got worse, culminating in a blow-up of epic proportions. On this particular night, Allison and Anne were kicked out of a restaurant for being overly intoxicated. On the drive home, their car skid into a ditch, resulting in the police being called. To police, it was obvious the twins had been physically fighting with reports of hair-pulling being involved. The car fight, combined with the alcohol, was most likely what caused the crash. No shit. With all the troubles related to their lifestyles, the yoga studio suffered and eventually closed down. Starting anew again. Allison and Anne fled their problems once again, this time to start fresh on the island of Maui. In December of 2015, they moved to Haiku, an unincorporated community near Maui's north coast, and planned on opening up another yoga studio. This is where Allison and Anne Legally change their names to Alexandria and Anastasia Duval. This would be their opportunity to reinvent themselves under their new monikers. It wouldn't be long before old problems resurfaced in their new home. Shortly after the move, the two were charged with disorderly conduct and terroristic threatening over a Christmas Eve incident. Nice. The tragedy. Anastasia and her boyfriend Federico Bailey had planned a camping trip near Hana for Memorial Day weekend. In the last minute, Alexandria inserted herself into the couple's plans, much to their dismay. It wasn't long before the fighting began. Alexandria had packed alcohol, which angered Anastasia and Frederico, who had planned for the trip to be alcohol free. After making the long journey down the road to Hana, They passed the sleepy town and continued to the even more isolated area where they had planned on camping. Federico said he set up the tent and left to use the restroom, but when he returned, the sisters and his SUV were gone. He would never see Anastasia, his girlfriend alive again. A local who was cleaning a family gravesite on the side of the road witnessed the white SUV speeding down the narrow road with two women screaming and fighting in the front seat. He saw the passenger had fistfuls of the driver's hair and was reaching for the steering wheel. The vehicle then pulled off the road to a turnout and screeched to a stop. We could see arms pulling her hair and her head was yanking and jerking. The driver kind of turns to one side and is fighting the girl off. Then she put it into gear and then stomped on the gas. He watched in shock as the SUV accelerated made a hard left turn off the road, careening into a rock wall, before disappearing over the cliff. The vehicle, along with the Duval sisters trapped inside, plunged off the road onto the rocky shore, 200 feet below. Another local, tending to her garden, heard what she described as a bomb detonating as the vehicle crashed onto the jagged rocks near the water's edge. The location the SUV landed couldn't have been worse for a rescue if anyone could have even survived the horrific crash. The near vertical cliffside made it impossible for rescuers to safely climb down to check on the twins. Not only that, but waves crashed onto the slippery rocks the vehicle had landed on. First responders would eventually require a helicopter to lower them down to the crash site. To their surprise, Alexandria, who had been driving the car... Was alive. It was quickly evident, however, Anastasia had perished. As officers tended to Alexandria, they claimed she remained silent, immediately refusing to answer any questions police had. She was airlifted to Maui Memorial Hospital where other investigators also found she was uncooperative and often defensive, questioning why the police were even there. She never asked about her sister's condition, choosing to remain silent with a blank stare on her face. Investigators were quoted stating her actions during that interview were bizarre the only thing more bizarre was when police called to inform the twins' father of the accident and death of Anastasia. Their father told police, quote, If anyone should have died, it should have been that bitch Alexandria. When the hospital tested Alexandria's blood alcohol content, it came back. Three times the legal driving limit. Things get weird. All this time, Frederico, Anastasia's boyfriend and owner of the SUV, was still alone at the remote campsite. He was confused when the women did not return, but unable to do anything. He bedded down in the tent for the night. The next morning, when they still hadn't returned, he hitched a ride back to Hana, where a friend told him the tragic news of the crash. When police interviewed him shortly after, he told them he wasn't surprised. Of the death. What he then informed police would throw an entirely new curveball into the investigation. Seven days prior to the crash, Alexandria approached Frederico and told him she was going to kill. Anastasia, what? She then rephrased it, saying, I killed my sister. As in the past tense, like it had already happened. Again, what? Taken aback and unsure what she was talking about. He shook the statement off, but would later overhear in a private conversation, Alexandria reminding Anastasia, Not to forget they, quote, were leaving planet on the 30th, end quote. Huh? Federico interpreted this as the two were planning a suicide together. But if the sisters planned a joint suicide, why would there have been a struggle why was Anastasia seen attempting to grab the wheel before the SUV careened off the cliff? Investigators would find evidence that supported the signs of a struggle, not compliance. This matched the witness testimony that he saw the two women fighting behind the wheel of the vehicle just before it plunged over the cliff. When Anastasia's body was removed from the wreckage, clumps of hair were found clutched in her dead hand. Investigators also confirmed the stretch of highway where the SUV veered off the cliff seemed to be the only section of road where a vehicle would have been able to this added more to the investigator's theory the crash may have been intentional. Was this an accidental crash caused by the fight? Or a planned suicide? Or an attempted murder suicide? to Maui police, this was an intentional criminal act. The information gathered from the vehicle's black box and the on-scene evidence, including tire marks on the road, was enough information for the police to charge Alexandria with second-degree murder. They quickly went to her home in Haiku to make the arrest. Only Alexandria was not there. All of her belongings had been packed. Fishy Police learned she had booked a flight to flee Maui for the mainland. Luckily, or unluckily, the plane would be grounded due to mechanical issues and the flight Was canceled. She must have been smuggling lava rocks. Alexandria was found near the airport shortly after and arrested. In a surprising turn of events, the judge at the preliminary trial dismissed Alexandria's case, stating there wasn't enough probable cause to charge her for her sister's death. The surviving sister would quickly leave Maui for New York, where she was rearrested after a grand jury chose to indict her for a second time. Alexandria was extradited back to Maui to begin the trial. In January 2018, the second-degree murder trial began with Alexandria facing a possible life sentence if found guilty. Her defense claimed the crash was accidental and that Anastasia caused her sister to lose control of the vehicle by pulling on her hair. Prosecutors would call Anastasia's boyfriend, Frederico Bailey, to the witness stand where he would describe odd behavior from alexandria immediately after she was discharged from the hospital while in her hotel room alexandria asked federico to help her shower and wash her hair in which he complied uh okay then after the shower he claimed she began impersonating her sister putting on Anastasia's clothes while flirting and cuddling up to her dead sister's boyfriend. This is just too weird. Alexandria chose a bench trial, meaning, instead of her fate being decided by a jury of her peers, a judge would be making the final decision. After her defense put up a strong argument that the crash was caused by the fight, Alexandria was shockingly found innocent of her sister's death. I do want to mention I found it interesting that several people mentioned significant differences in the twins' personalities. There was the odd statement made by their father that the wrong daughter died. But also, the spiritual advisor who had worked with the sisters in Florida described Alexandria, the surviving sister, in having, quote, a big personality with a tendency to drink too much while making a point to mention Anastasia was the sweetest, kindest, most level-headed person. Frederico Bailey, Anastasia's boyfriend at the time of her death, included, Alexandria was the one who brought alcohol on the camping trip, which was supposed to be alcohol-free. Anastasia's boyfriend from Florida, the one who saw their destroyed apartment and who witnessed several fights while in a moving car, was quoted saying, "It almost seemed like Alexandria was jealous of Anastasia, who always got the guy." He mentions that it seemed like Alexandria was the one always tagging along with her sister's plans, which fits the testimony. Federico stated that she inserted herself into his and Anastasia's camping trip the weekend. ...of the fatal accident. Alexandria did not change much... ...since the death of her sister. While in New York... ...she would be arrested again... ...for driving... ...while intoxicated. So what do you think? Did the surviving sister... ...get away with murder... Or was this all a drunken accident? The ordeal that left a stain on the tranquil town of Hana may not have ended at the conclusion of the trial. I mentioned at the start of the episode that a listener of the podcast had a strange experience while on the road to Hana that connects to the story of the Duval sisters. Cynthia and her husband were visiting Maui and had booked a tour down to Hana and had not known about the sisters prior to the visit. Here is their account. As the van went past Haiku, the town the sisters used to live in It curved along the road before heading down to Hana. The sky clouded over a bit and spat rain. Cynthia sat gazing out at the overgrowth of greenery, which reminded her of her time living in Okinawa, Japan. While in Okinawa, her family had lived in front of a small tomb and had experienced many paranormal encounters. Cynthia began to feel troubled, which started with a strange feeling that crept over her. Something felt off. The feeling was otherworldly, but also sordid, dirty. What she'd describe as a low vibration. That dirty feeling slowly intensified with every curve in the road. Cynthia could not figure out what was causing that feeling, and that troubled her. She's only felt this type of occurrence a couple of times in her existence, and through her experience, she's learned... That when it happens There's a reason The tour stopped at a farm stand Then continued on to Hana Where she was able to shake off Some of the dark feeling With lunch Once back in the van The guide drove them Through the black bamboo forests In which the feeling would return hitting Cynthia with full force like it was zeroing in on her however she still could not put her finger on its source then as the van approached a bridge the guide asked you all know about the twin sisters who used to live here the yoga ones This is where they were fighting and plunged the car over the cliff. One of them was killed. The other one who lived was tried for murder. Cynthia's head shot up. She knew this was what she was feeling. She felt filthy as if she had been forced to watch something awful. Cynthia could barely focus for the rest of the tour. She kept reminding herself, it's gotta be a coincidence. You must have seen a program on this story and you subconsciously remembered it. But beneath that thought, there was a sense of urgency, like she needed to wash off that feeling. She just didn't know what it all meant. That evening, Cynthia and David, her husband, were one of the last couples to be dropped off at their condo. As they made their way up to the room, she still had that filthy feeling, rationalizing that the story was still in the back of her mind. She needed a shower as soon as possible. As David unlocked and opened the door, Cynthia said, I'm taking a shower. Now. And beelined it to the bathroom. Not a problem, David said. I'll put on the telly. He's Scottish. Cynthia attempted to wash off that nasty feeling and felt like it was working. Maybe. Well, not really. When she finished... And toweled off, she walked into the bedroom. There, blaring from the TV, was a documentary about Alexandria and Anastasia Duvall. A chill ran down her spine. What? Yeah, that's a weird coincidence, no? Our guide just told us about this story. Coincidence? Possibly. But beneath that answer, was it something more? A conversation with the universe? The dead sister, perhaps? Reaching out to someone in tune to the supernatural. Cynthia concludes that it all could have been a coincidence... She doesn't know, but one thing she does know, if the paranormal is going to happen, it will happen in Hawaii. Thank you so much for your continued support of the Ghost Lore of Hawaii podcast. This was a sample of a bonus episode that would have only been available on patreon.com slash of Hawaii. All patrons get a special shout out in the show notes, periodic discounts on merch, and a lot more. I'll also continue to release content for patrons, even as the free show goes on break in between seasons. For a limited time, all new members receive a free Ghostlore of Hawaii sticker as supplies last. I've always wanted to say that. Stay tuned for more content to be released very soon on patreon.com/ghostloreofhawaii as well as the main podcast. We still have a lot more show left in season 2. I want to give a special shout out and thank you to cynthia and david for sharing the experience she had while visiting maui most of what you heard in cynthia's story was from her own words i just altered it a bit for context most of cynthia's intuition towards the spiritual world began while in okinawa when she lived across from the tomb i believe her familiarity with spirits was why she was able to pick up on energies others on the tour couldn't. And like she said, perhaps it was the deceased Duval's sister reaching out to someone in tune with the supernatural. For what? We may never know. So thank you again for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast... Please rate and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Reviews are extremely helpful in getting the show in front of new listeners. Thank you so much to all who have left reviews. If you have a topic, story, or even a question for the podcast, you can email me at ghostlore.of.hawaii at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at ghostlore. And lastly, share your favorite episodes with your friends. If they don't have Spotify or any other listening apps like Repod, they can still listen for free at ghostloreofhawaii.com. Although my intent is to keep all historical information as accurate as possible, I cannot always guarantee it will be. Please look into any info you may be interested in on your own. There's so much awesome stuff out there that I can't always fit into one episode. Some names and places may be altered for privacy's sake. I just edited a bit edit it edit it I just edited it edit it I just edited it I just edited it edited it edited it I just edited it I just edited it, <laughs> it. Jesus I just altered it a bit for context.